Where are you cowboys and cowgirls at? Hey everybody, this is Dan Hillenbrand and welcome to Modern Cowboy, the podcast for the cowboy lifestyles and businesses around the world. I'm glad you're here, so sit back in your saddle and prepare to be inspired, motivated, educated, and entertained as I interview a new guest each week that embodies the modern cowboy. Hey, I want to thank all of our listeners and sponsors of the show. Without you, the show would not be possible. We so appreciate the reviews and ratings, which increases awareness in our effort to grow the fan base of the cowboy, rodeo, and Western lifestyle culture. If you are new to the show or have been a listener for a while and have just not had the opportunity to rate and review the podcast, it's really simple. Just trot your pony over to the iTunes Apple podcast, click on the show, scroll down to rate and review, and give us a five-spur rating. The podcast is available on Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher, as well as many other platforms where you listen to podcasts. Just type Modern Cowboy Podcast into the search bar to subscribe, listen, rate, and review. And if you are interested in being a sponsor of the show to showcase your business, DM us on Instagram at Modern Cowboy Podcast or message us on our website, www.moderncowboypodcast.com. Hey, welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Uh, really excited today to have the guest on. I have Kenda Lonsane. She is a world and national champion cowboy mounted shooter i'm actually recording this today from the uh, nrs ranch event center in decatur texas and uh kenda's uh in arizona which is actually where i live but um i'm really excited to have her on and it's it's kind of interesting how i ended up meet her i've I, i'll give you a little backstory on me and in what i what little bit i know about mountain shooting i i remember back when the single action shooting society came around and I just thought, Oh, this is the coolest thing ever. And I actually got one of their badges, became a member, but I never did anything in it. I was a team roper and really focused more on that. And then I don't really even remember when mounted shooting came around, but I thought, man, this is super cool. Something I've always, always wanted to do. But again, being a team roper and focused on that, I, I just have never done it. So I've, I've seen Kenda over the years, uh, you know, and, and I know she was a top level, you know, shooter and competitor and, and, um, we were at the Queen Creek Rodeo in, in Arizona, and they had the rodeo going on and the mounted shooting. And I s said, told my wife, I'm going to go over to the mounted shooting. I said, I, I'm just going to go see somebody. I'd like to get somebody on the podcast. And so I come over there, and, you know, they're making their runs and everything, and it's super cool. Well, I get up by the, by the gate, and uh, this gal goes, gets ready for a run, takes a run. And I'm just going, oh my gosh, I cannot believe how fast that little horse is running, number one, and how fast she's shooting. I mean, and, and I, actually I was looking at it thinking, I don't even think I could ride that horse that fast around that course. And, and I probably couldn't, but here I am. I'm, I'm like all excited about this. So the rider comes out the end of the gate and I kind of ambush her. Um, hey, you know, and, and it ends up being Kenda. So it was, um, I don't know if it was fortuitous, fortuitous for me, but I, I think I kind of surprised her a little bit. Um, and I was, you know, fan struck and all that, like I always get around people of notoriety. But anyway, I'm, I'm just saying all that just to say I, I'm a huge fan of the sport. I've never done it. And I'm just excited for Kenda to share with us how she got started in the sport. Just kind of go from there. So Kenda, welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. I, I hope I didn't like confuse you too much with that. Uh, introduction, but I was just trying to <laughs> trying to lay a foundation for my enthusiasm for the sport. Yeah, no, no, it was great. That's pretty much spot on. It's been the sport's been around. This is, I think, our 25th anniversary of CMSA, and I've been in the sport 
for 21 years now. So, or this is my 21st year. So I kind of got in on the ground floor when it was just getting started and made a career out of it. And here I am two decades later, hanging out with you. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it's, it's just phenomenal. I can't believe it's been that long already, but what, what, you know, inspired you to, to, to get into it, you know, just give us a brief history on you, how you got involved in the, you know, cowboy and horse world, uh, or, or were you involved in that before mounted shooting? Uh, just give us an idea how that all came about. Um, I grew up riding competitively my whole life and, um, or my whole childhood, I guess. And then I got a job in Texas on a cutting horse ranch, just fresh out of high school. That's kind of all I wanted to do. Horse crazy girl wanted a horse crazy job. And, um, I spent some time down there learning from the, the best in the business in terms of cutting trainers and work ethic hard work pays off kind of thing and uh, was offered a job out in California doing the same thing. So I moved out to Southern California and was was working out there. And as an additional way to make extra money, I was also riding, exercising horses for other people, just kind of a a traveling loper, if you will, Mm -hmm. around the California, Southern California area. And one of them happened to be a, a guy that, was get a mounted shooter and the sport again was so young he said you know you should come out and see this new sport it's really exciting it's fun and we're shooting guns off horseback and and I thought well I've never shot a gun before but okay I'll go watch that's cool (laughs) and so I went and they they were doing a little western festival and a little you know backyard rodeo kind of thing and and mounted shooting was the middle act just for ex and so the guy I was there to see he was you know playing back and forth with the announcer and he said this sport's so fun it's so easy anybody can do it let's pick somebody out of the crowd to try it you know this is 20 years ago right so uh-huh. you could do stuff like that <laughs> um so of course he picked me because I'm sitting there and he's the only I'm the only one he knows and so I thought okay I'll I'll try it and I had a you know five minute lesson on how to actually cock the hammer and pull the trigger and and where to safely point the firearm so that I'm not shooting the horse on accident etc um and away I went and so here I am just fresh on a gun and um, in front of a couple thousand people riding and shooting as fast as I can go and I didn't hit very many if any of the targets but I sure got hooked right then and there and entered my first competition the following weekend. Of course, I had to borrow everything, horses, <laughs> or a horse, guns, gun belt, everything. Um, but from there, it just took off, and I got hooked and addicted pretty quickly. As most new shooters getting into the sport do, it's, it's just such a rush, and it's so much fun, and it's, it's a great way to spend time with your horse, and I mean shooting a gun it's the coolest thing ever yeah and it's interesting you you so you hadn't even shot a gun before up till that point no other than I mean with a small disclaimer which was when I was a kid my grandpa would come over you know Christmas Easter for dinner and he would bring this little 22 and he and my dad would shoot pop cans off the fence and I think I got to shoot that one time but that was it 
and now at this point, I know too, and we can we can talk about it a little bit later. But I know that you, you, I mean, you're a firearms instructor now as well, as well, right? And I mean, not and not just shooting single action firearms or old west type of guns. You shoot all different types of modern firearms as well, correct? I I do dabble in other uh, calibers and of, of of firearms, but mounted shooting is my primary game. I don't instruct. Um, anything other than non-shooting. Oh, you don't. Okay. Okay. I got you. Let's talk about, for some people that may not know, you say we're shooting off, off the, off the horses. What exactly is coming out of the muzzle to pop the balloon? Yeah, that's, a, that's probably the most commonly asked question that I get because most people see me shooting in a 360 environment and wonder why, A, why there's nobody in the stand because they think I've shot them all or, right that you know how can we do this safely in a spectator environment so the we all we all shoot a single action 45 revolver that's the only gun that's legal in the sport which means i have to cock the hammer every time i want to pull the trigger mm-hmm. it's not a double action revolver so with that um the cartridge ammunition that we use is, is it's brass uh, 45 caliber brass cartridge filled with black powder and then it's crimped at the end so there's no bullet there's no projectile it's the burning powder that breaks the target. Okay. And what's, what's the it's distance, also, what's the distance on that, on that? That's, yeah, that's, that's where I was going next. Okay. The distance that it travels, it's certified to travel no more than 20 feet before it burns out completely. So, you know, if I, our targets are set 35 feet off of the line. And if the ammo travels no more than 20 feet, we still have a 15 foot cushion in there just in case there's one burning ember that decides to go awry. Gotcha. Okay. And then, and what about the horses now? I mean, yes, you obviously were, you know, skilled in, in, in horsemanship, but, you know, training a horse to cut or to team rope or, or something is a little different than getting a horse gun broke. Um, how, how do you start that? And, and how, how does that work? I start all my horses with a 22. Um, it's, you know, less, obviously less of a bang than a 45. So I start everybody with a 22 and I, my program entails basically buddying up the new horse with a seasoned horse to hear the noise for the first time, just because a horses are herd found or herd animals and they feel confident with other horses around generally speaking. Um, so if we kind of surround that new horse with horses that don't react negatively to the sound, right. it seems to really build confidence in that new horse. So we start with that and then gradually move up to a half load 45. And from there, once the horse has accepted that and is confident in that, then we move to the full full load competition load 45. And you know, it's just a building block process. It's just like you mentioned a minute ago. It's, if you're building a team roping horse or a cutting horse, it's, you can't do it overnight. It takes right. time to build that confidence and learn how to manage. Horses need to learn how to manage their adrenaline. Mm-hmm. Um, and once that happens, it's game on. I mean, it's so much fun to finally get to that point where your horse says, yes, I understand what you're doing now and let's go. Right. And it's interesting too, because um, I believe when I came around the corner, I was watching your run in in Queen Creek. Um, I, I believe you set a record there. I mean, I'm I'm sure that's what I heard. I, it was a, it was ten something. I believe is that correct? Or yeah, I think it was a ten something. I don't remember the 
the rest of it, but it was pretty fast. I think it was the only 10 of the day. Um, so that's you know, 10 targets, a full-size arena, 10 targets, a gun change, a barrel turn, um, all in 10 seconds. So it does happen pretty quickly. Yeah, it's it's very impressive looking in in that little that little horseshoe riding man. She can she can run. <laughs> she is a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes I just I finish a run and I think, what in the world just happened? I mean, I've just had this out of body experience because she's so quick and she's so little. It's it's a different ride. My gelding that was her predecessor, he was you know stocky and he was he was elegant where right. she's frantic and so although they both can run the same speed it just it takes it, it takes a mental game to a whole new level when you're on a, a wet noodle out there and you know 14 hands blazing fire um, it does tend to mess with your mind a little bit because you just it, it things are happening so much quicker at least yeah, I mean, feel like they are yeah, it, she just looks so wicked when she's running. I mean, it, it was it was really uh, just amazing to see. I was so I was so happy that I I decided to come over there when I did and and got to see that run and and got to meet you and and that's how we got on this, which is 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 very cool. So now sometimes do they uh, use oh, earplugs in them too? I, I I thought I saw some of those for the horses. Yeah. Yep. I use earplugs in all my horses, and most people do. I'd say ninety five percent of the competitors will use earplugs in their horses the only exception to that is if the horse is really having trouble um, with whatever baggage they may have with being able to handle their ears and I do have a mare I just bought last year who sometimes I can barely even get the bridle on her if she's got such sensitive ears and I tried to start her on the earplugs and it became such a fight Mm -hmm. that I gave up just because then I could hardly you know, put a bridle on her or even halter her because she was worried that I was going to shove earplugs in her ears. So I decided to just let that one go and she doesn't care about the gunfire really. So that part is easy. It's, it's when you have a horse that shakes its head, you know, with every shot or flinches that they really need that hearing protection. And when you work a little bit harder and you take your time, just like anything else, you take your time to start getting them used to that, you know, big ball going in their ear yeah so then um talking about the guns um you, so you said there's 10 balloons so you got so you're loaded with 10 rounds so you you have each uh gun with a, a hammer on an empty chamber i take it correct mm-hmm. yeah and then um and then you do you make a pass uh, you know th- by five and then you have to turn and come back is that uh, do the patterns change or i guess that's what i'm trying to get at yeah, that's a good question. In CMSA, we have over 70 different course courses or patterns that, mm-hmm. that a match director will choose or draw. Um, they'll draw either four or six, four, five or six for the weekend, and then everybody has to run those same patterns. But no, there's every different configuration you could possibly think. But the one thing does stay the same, and that is we always only have 10. Mm-hmm. 10 targets and 10 rounds of ammunition. So unfortunately we can't load six and get a freebie out there. If you happen to miss one, (laughs) if you miss it, it's just gone. Right. I'm sure there's patterns that people would rather run. And so you get some patterns get 
drawn. I guess so it's, it's the luck of the draw kind of thing. So then you got to run a pattern you're maybe not as comfortable with. Does that probably happen? Or? Yeah, absolutely. There's some, like the one you saw was, it, it's not too technical. It's basically just a, it's, we call it the X. So it's diagonal across the arena, turn, change gun, diagonal across the arena. The challenge in that one is that the change um, the gun change is very short, so I only have about two, two or three strides to change the gun. So that one is, is more of what you would call a, a horse race pattern or a, a fast one, uh, where there are some that are a lot more technical, where the shots are closer together, or we have three barrel turns, or you know a, a combination of both. So yeah, there are some in there that people dread when they when they see them posted on the pattern board. Um, I have a few of those. There are some nemesis patterns, but that only challenges me to work harder. So that way they aren't my kryptonite. They are my fuel. Right. Right. <laughs> so now um, you, so at a, at a, at a regular match, uh, how many runs do you guys make in a day normally? For a local match, like the one you saw in Queen Creek, we had four that day. Um, so it's four, four, they call them stages. So four stages, a cumulative score based on time and penalties. Okay. So for every target I'm, one would miss, it's five seconds. The barrel knocked over is five seconds. If you go completely off course and, and or shoot uh, the targets in the wrong order, may, meaning like if you shoot a red one and you're supposed to shoot a white one first. Right. Um, that's a 10 second penalty. So there's penalties in there too. And then it's everything else is based on time. And I think that's a big part of the draw of the sport is that there isn't a judge out there telling you they don't like a gray horse. Right. You know, it's just, it's just a timed event. And that's what the draw is. It's just you, it's your performance. It's how you ride your horse, how you shoot your gun and you know, winner, winners rise to the top. Yeah. And so how, how many, um, you know, to get to, I guess you got, you guys have a, a, a national finals or, or, and then a, a world one, how many normal or regular matches do you have throughout a year to, to attend, to, to reach that level? Um, everybody is, is the nationals are set up in such a way where you pretty much anyone can enter the national championship the world finals you have to qualify for. So you have to earn points all year long to be able to qualify mm -hmm. um, each level in the sport. There's levels one through six and each level has their own set of point standards that they have to meet. So for example, I'm a level six, so I have to have a higher more, I have to have more points than a level one would take to get to qualify. That makes sense. Gotcha. Okay, so so it's it's numbered kind of like in 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 roping where they are you know number four, five, six, seven on up to open. Do you have a number series in uh, mounted shooting as well? We do. It's levels one through six. Six is the highest, and and so everybody who starts out in the sport, it doesn't matter if you're a world champion rainer, you start out as a one. Everybody mm -hmm. does, and then you move up based on the number of wins that you have, qualified wins. Today's episode is brought to you by Modern Cowboy Performance Nutrition. Their brand of clinically researched products help support overall health. Do you want to burn fat, build lean muscle, improve strength, increase energy and vitality, help with pain relief? Go to www.thecowboyway.com 
register to get your personal discount code. Take the bull by the horns and use the brand that cowboys love. When when you get to, you know, or if you you make it to the, you know, say just the nationals on points, can can a one actually make it there on points and compete against sixes or is there other divisions? There are divisions. So that's another draw to the sport is um, a level one rider. Say, for example, if you, you join CMSA and you want to start um, to become a mountain shooter. So you come in as a, a men's one, you would not have to ride against me. Mm-hmm. So you would ride against other men's ones and you would also be eligible to win the overall men's championship um, okay. or the overall title for the men and you could also be eligible to win the high overall. So there's a couple different ways to win. Again, one in your class, which would be the men's ones, and then divisional, which would be the numero uno of the entire match, which could be a man or a woman, mm-hmm. takes that high overall spot. Okay. And then in, in terms of prize money, uh, how's the prize money in it? Is it, uh, has it been, has, I'm sure it's grown over the past 25 years. <laughs> It absolutely has. When I first started, it was, you know, a ribbon or a little trinket. But now um, you pretty much can't go to any match across the country without having And it all varies depending on the club and the region. Um, you know, entry fees vary as well. So if you have a really low entry fee, of course, your payback's not going to be as, as right. high. Um, and it just depends on sponsorship. All of the CMSA sanctioned events the, the, that the association holds, the majors is what we call them. Those all have a significant amount of added money and um, a lot of different side matches that you can enter that have additional added money as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're not talking about World Series of Team Roping style money, but it's definitely growing and it's getting there. So um, it's not enough to where you can probably guarantee you'll pay your mortgage every month, but it's enough to help you get down the road, which is nice. Yeah. And now I know you have um, quite a few sponsors. Uh, um, let's talk about that, like your gear and, and, and stuff. So it, it's a saddle that you guys ride. Is, is it, you know, different than team rope and saddle or, you know, pleasure saddle? I mean, is it, do you have, you know, certain trees and certain, you know, uh, builds of saddles for mounted shooting? Absolutely. Um, 10 years ago, I got a call from Circle Y, which is, you know, obviously mm-hmm. a really well-known brand in, in the horse industry. And they called me and they said, we, we want to be the first to, we see that the sport is growing and we want to be the first to develop a saddle for a shooting saddle. And will you help us? And I was like, me, you know, I'm honored. Like this is the coolest phone call I've ever received. You know, right. I'm like, just here I am, just out here riding and shooting, and and to be recognized like that, it was just really an honor. And so, um, we together with the designers at Circle Y developed a saddle specific for shooting, and it's basically built on a barrel racing tree. You know, it's lightweight. Mm-hmm. It weighs, I think, 24 pounds, mm-hmm. um, because we don't need to, you know rope a steer so we don't need that heavy roping saddle Um, and it is built for a timed event so it's lightweight it's kind of sleek and streamlined Um, we tilted the 
swell forward just a little to allow clearance for the holsters because you know we wear the holsters high on our waist mm -hmm. and a lot of times you'll smack the the swell with the, your guns and sometimes the guns have a tendency to pop out if you do that so we tilted it forward just a little bit and made some other modifications to to qualify it as a shooting saddle and since then it's they're popping up everywhere you see every different brand out there has their own their own shooting line of saddles so it's pretty pretty cool yeah and then and then how about your um your holsters just talk about that a little bit you said you do wear them high and i've seen sometimes where they have a looks like almost a, a large back brace that goes across the back um just kind of give us an idea about uh, you know how those work and what the cost of those are also sure the holsters that we use um and this took 10 years in the making as well and I, I, again just like the circle Y situation i was able to team up with a company called safari land that is well known for their police and military holsters mm -hmm. they they manufacture 50,000 holsters a month for yeah. the police and military across the world and so when i got that phone call um they own a <laughs> they one of their their subsequent companies are um is bianchi cowboy so oh, yeah. bianchi cowboy is, is is the john bianchi line which is a line of leather police holsters is where it started and they they developed over the years um, a pretty big following in the, the SAS community, which is what you mentioned at the beginning of the show, mm -hmm. um, for cowboy holsters. And when I met the vice president of the company at a shooting event, which was not related to mounted shooting, it was an NRA event, he said, hey, we need to breathe some fresh air into this cowboy line because, you know, right now it's just kind of static. It's not doing much. Would you be interested in and developing something for mounted shooting and i said of course i would and, um so <laughs> what was neat about it is for all those years i had been struggling with my my holsters and trying to find the right ex exact right combination of um speed and and the draw and all those things that are so important to us when we're running that 10 second run um so to get their insight from what works for the for the police basically um and then to to put a cowboy flare on it it just was it i mean it's just the perfect combination um and they you know just little features on them that really set them apart from anything else in the leather world um you know the guns don't get buried a lot of a lot of holster makers will build the holsters in such a way where it buries the gun because people are worried about the gun falling out while you're moving right um but with with that technology of of some of the police holsters we've you know we we've got it pretty streamlined and quick and when i draw my gun i'm i'm on my trigger right away instead of having to seat the gun in my hand after i pull it out um, with mountain shooting we don't have a support hand to do that like you would if you were shooting a, a different style gun we only have one hand to do it so um when you when i draw i have to get that grip first off otherwise the gun is literally jogging around in my hand and i've just outran two targets that are still standing right and the holsters yeah they run about four hundred dollars ish three to four it d depends on what you want is that for a complete set though with the belt that is mm -hmm. okay and then, and then, what, and the what belt about, had some thought that the belt had some thought that went into it too. So you mentioned the the back brace. Um, mm -hmm. It's kind of a 
weightlifter style, if you will, mm-hmm. if that paints a good picture. Um, and that just provides support when we are out there riding and twisting and turning around in the in the saddle. It, it really helps provide support. And if you think about the wider back, think of it like a, a little bit wider cinch is more comfortable than a real narrow cinch on a horse that, right. you know, when you cinch it down, it, it doesn't cut into you like a narrow belt would. Right. And and I and I and I would think that you'd want to have it cinched down pretty good, so it doesn't move on you as well. Exactly. It's I always tell people like, if you can't breathe, then it's stitched correctly. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Because <laughs> you've got six pounds of guns. Guns are about three three ish pounds a piece, and mm-hmm. so if you've got six pounds strapped on your waist and now you're moving, if if those are flopping at all, it's it's not pretty. Right. And you have run the risk of the guns falling out, and then there you go. Yeah. And let, let's talk about your, your gun sponsor, too. What make of gun do you use? I, um, I shoot Uberti, which are Italian-made replica guns based on the Colt frame. Mm-hmm. Um, they are absolutely awesome. And I was able to go to Italy to the factory um, and help them design a new grip for it and the new mm-hmm. hammer. So if you picture the old style Colt, Colt Model P, um, you know, you've got the long barrel and the mm-hmm. hammer spur is basically sticking straight up, um, you know, big, beautiful gun. Well, over the years, that's what I started shooting, started with in the sport. That's, that's the gun I shot when I first started. Um, and I, I kind of got to the point where like why am I flipping this gun in my hand every time because I can't reach the hammer because mm-hmm. it wasn't intended for a one-handed sport right. and so um, we over the years um, the guns evolved to where they you know they still are on that Colt Model P frame but we have now a low wide hammer spur mm-hmm. so it can be easily reached and um, you know did a little bit more of an ergonomic grip on the Uberties that fits really well in in any hand and uh with that i guess the biggest the biggest you know groundbreaking news of the century is um that we put a short stroke kit on the guns which means that it trimmed off about 40 percent of the hammer pull okay which means that i can run on sparky and not let her leave me behind i can my thumb can keep up as fast as she can run Gotcha. So basically, an you know, an old a standard Model P, you'll have to cock it all the way back and, and then release the hammer with the trigger. This one, you pull it about 60% back, and then it still fires. So it, it made everything faster. Yeah, and then um, the actions, I mean, I'm sure the actions are worked to a certain degree. Is it still, is, it, is the action like smoother and easier to pull than, say, just a, you know, traditional single action? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, absolutely. When they come out out of the box, they're pretty stiff because mm-hmm. it's just the way they are. And then I take them, most mounted shooters will take them to a gunsmith and have them tuned. So they lighten up the hammers, lighten up the trigger um, to the point where it will still fire. It'll still hit a primer hard enough to ignite the powder, right. um, but not so hard that you have to have two hands to pull the, trigger, the hammer back. Gotcha. And I, I, I know in mounted shooting, like in team roping too, there's, you know, you can do it to just about any age, you know, and um, in terms of like, 
if someone has, you know, difficulty like arthritis in their hands or whatever, does it, are the guns easy enough to use for someone or that they can actually, you know, run the gun. Okay. I'm just saying if someone has some difficulty with, uh, you know, manipulating things with their fingers, is it, is it something that's, you know, too arduous to do or can people get by? Oh, um, that's actually another great point. Um, our senior class in mounted shooting is top heavy. It is like the biggest group is are the seniors. A probably because they're retired and they can afford it. <laughs> and B um, just because you know why not. Uh, but no, we have competitors that are still out there in their seventies, and where the this particular going back to the gun. Uh, with that low, wide hammer spur and with a, a slick action job, these the senior riders, whether your hands are functioning or not, are functioning to their fullest capacity, mm-hmm. um, absolutely they still can, can run the gun and keep up. And as I said, the, the senior class is is bigger than the regular classes now because um, – Everyone went senior, and now it's, it used to be, you know, flip, flipped over where everybody was too proud to call themselves senior, but now like, they've got extra added money in the senior class. I'm like, wait, man, what about us? <laughs> That's crazy. So, yeah, it's cool to see because you'll have grandma and grandpa out there, you know, mom, dad, and little kids all at the same event. And unlike, you know, rodeo where you've got dads off to a team rope and moms off to a barrel race and Right. The kids get what they get. <laughs> so it's a family sport, and it's it's really, really neat to see those little guys out there riding around and then to see Grandma and Grandpa and, you know, the whole kit and caboodle in their big fancy motorhome and bump a pole trailer, and there they go down the road. That's great. And then also, is there an age, you know, the a minimum age to get involved in it? Not a minimum, really. So the the classification is uh, kids 12 and under are in what they call the Wrangler class. And those kids will ride the pattern, at the same pattern that everybody else does with a, a cap gun or a toy gun in their hand. Mm-hmm. And they have to engage each target just like the adult riders do. And then they will dismount and and then meet up, you know, at the end and shoot from the ground. So their score is their time on the pattern and then any penalties they might miss from the ground. So it's really great to see these little guys out there that are riding hard. And and then that, you know, mom, dad, grandpa, grandma, whoever shows up and um, everybody meets and they, they have to safely handle the gun from the ground. And it's not safe because their hands are so little to do that on horseback. Right. Um, And so they, they turn, they kind of deem to be age 12 to have the kids then start shooting from their horses so there's no minimum age per se. I mean, you have little three, four-year-olds out there being ponied behind mom or dad or on these tiny little horses or even big horses and, and um, you know, give them another 10, 15 years and they're going to be kicking my butt. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> the other thing, too, that, that's really cool about it um, uh, is, you know, the, the fashion uh, the in the Western fashion. Uh, you know, everybody has a you know, um, a certain, you know, style and, and it seems that everybody pretty much wears, you know, some sort of, uh, chinks or shaps. Um, is, is, is that something that's evolved over time in the sport too? And just adds to the flair and, and, uh, you know, just the entertainment in terms of, of watching it. 
Yeah, that's a great point to hit. Um, when when I first started in the sport, it, because the MSA was a branch off of SAP, it was mandatory that all competitors had to wear period style clothing. So that is clothing of the 1800s, right. um, which was terribly uncomfortable and right. embarrassing <laughs> for right. me. But right. anyway, um, it was not until Wrangler became a sponsor cmsa started kind of wooing wrangler to become a sponsor but Mm -hmm. they the dress code was in such a way where we couldn't wear wrangler so what's the point um so cmsa one of the smartest things they ever did in terms of the growth of the sport was to relax that dress code Mm -hmm. to say that you we can now wear rodeo attire Mm -hmm. you know button down shirt a hat jeans boots Um, but if we do wear what you could call modern jeans, we must wear shaps or chinks. Okay, so yeah. that's why you won't ever see anybody out there without shaps or chinks on, unless they are still wearing the 1800s clothing. Right. So since then, I mean, the sport, oh, it was opened up to a lot more of the equine industry because, you know, if you're a team roper, you're not going to put on a pair of those pants. Right, right. No, I got just you. just to try mounted shooting. So, but you would come out in your, you know, cinch jeans and slap on a pair of chinks. That's that's doable. So when CMSA did that, the sport took off like crazy, and then other sponsors started coming on board, and it just it you know it really opened up the horizon in terms of you know growth and potential, and gave people some more opportunity to not be stuck in a box in terms of their fashion style. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause it, it, it does look super cool. Um, you know, it's, you know, flying, flying through that pattern, uh, guns a blazing and that nice black powder smoke and, you know, wearing some cool chinks and just, it, it's just, it's just a great, great thing to watch. Um, hey, real quick too, on your, on your cowboy hats, do you have a favorite brand or are you sponsored uh, by a cowboy hat brand? I wear Atwood hats out of Texas. My uh, good friend Brooks Atwood custom makes me some nice hats, and um, he does a good job. Perfect. And then, do you have a favorite uh, cowboy movie? Uh, Tombstone, of course. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I've it's... seen it a thousand times. I mean, I'm not kidding. Probably a thousand times. Yeah. Not quite, yeah. but. I've seen it a lot, and um, yeah, I just love that movie. Val Kilmer's the best. Doc Holliday in that movie. Yeah, it's it's just it's just epic. There's no doubt about that. So now you teach uh, mounted shooting. Uh, you know, if someone wanted to get started, uh, you know, give us an idea of what you know what that entails and and what it costs for, uh, you know, for instruction by you and and how would they go about that? Well, I do this. This is my primary job. Um, mountain shooting is is my livelihood, basically. So mm-hmm. I do teach clinics all over the country. I go to Europe every year and trying to get the sport involved in France, um, which has been a challenge because of their gun laws. But right. um, yeah, I do teach clinics all over the country, and I, I host classes here in Arizona. Um, so it's just as easy as logging on to my website, kindleonsane.com, and um, checking my clinics page or sending me a quick note just to let me know that you want to either book me to come to your area, which I do quite often. I'll just hop a plane and show up and 
teach for the weekend and then head on home. Um, and it seems to work out really well. And then I also teach, obviously, if you're local here in Arizona, I teach every Tuesday. I host a class over at the Ben Avery Shooting Range um, and then once a month on a Saturday. And then the other weekends, I'm either out of state teaching clinics or competing. So it's a, it's a full-time job. Very cool. So people can go to your website and uh, that's, uh, you want to spell that form? K-E-N-D-A. Mm-hmm. L-E-N-S-E-I-G-N-E dot com. Okay. And then uh, how, how about uh, Instagram? Yeah. My Instagram is Kenda underscore Lonsane. And I have a YouTube channel as well. Um, I've got two Facebook accounts. One is my a personal page. And then one is a fan, an athlete page. I didn't know when I first start opened up my Facebook account um, that it, the personal page was only limited to 5,000 people. <laughs> right. And so once I ran out of friends, I had to start another one, um, which is fine. But most of them, both pages mostly have the same content. Gotcha. Perfect. Well, hey, Kenda, I really, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on. I know you're super busy. We, we, we worked and worked it just to try to get it scheduled and, and, uh, we finally did, and I'm glad we did. So it, it's exciting to to hear how the sport is growing and continues to grow. And since I live right there in Arizona, I'm I'm going to have to just uh, go onto your website and and book a day whenever you have a, a clinic out there. I'm gonna I'd, I'd like to just come and you know give it a try. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Hey, there you go. Absolutely. Well, Kenda, hey, thanks again. I really appreciate it, and. Uh, Next time you see me, I'll probably be showing up at one of your clinics. <laughs> okay. That sounds good. I'll look forward to it. All right. Thanks again, hon. You have a great day. All right. Thanks. You too. Where are you cowboys and cowgirls at? Every Friday afternoon, I hitch up the trailer. Saddle up old rock and ice down a cooler. I drive that old back road until it ends at the roping pen. We got them rusted out pickups and fancy rigs, twenty thousand dollar horses. Then there's my old stick. Although we're all the same, the minute we ride in to the roping pen. can tell someday I just might be we'll turn a few steers and we'll tell a few lies kick back in the saddle and philosophize most of life's problems yeah we're gonna solve them down at the roping pen Yeah, we don't do it for the money You were always broke Just ask Clint what he paid a rope Now he's lost a dozen wives Half the fingers on his hands To the rope and pen 
And it takes a little skill and a little luck If you can talk smack, if you can back it up Oh, but we're all friends No matter who wins Down at the rope and pay Turn another pin of steers, tell a few more lies. Drink another beer and hypothesize most of life's problems. By God, we're gonna solve them down at the roping pen. We'll see y'all again next weekend down at the roping pen. Down at the roping.